I definitely, I definitely feel like the Grinch is like, I feel like I relate more to the Grinch every year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Welcome to a very special holiday bonus episode. My name's Nicole, and I'm on the team here at Realm that brings you the shows you're listening to on Fear. I sat down with some of our brilliant creatives to discuss the best stories for the holiday season. Movies, books, and of course, podcasts. We explore some spooky seasonal favorites like The Nightmare Before Christmas and Gremlins and make our arguments for some unofficial holiday stories and why Realm's Black Friday is one of them. Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm Heather. I'm the marketing lead at Realm. Hi, I'm Rhoda. I'm a producer over at Realm. Hi, I'm Marco. I'm a producer at Realm. Thanks for sitting down with me today, everyone. Um, To kick us off, let's start by talking about what makes a holiday story a holiday story. Like, what are the elements that you think that you need in order to be considered a movie, a show, a book, a podcast for this time of year? I think it has to be during some time, like cold time. <laughs> like for me, that's very important. It needs to feel like cozy. Like it doesn't have to be snow, but something cold. Like lots of wool. Like I love when people are wearing like wool and scarves and, and cozy socks and things. Yes. I think the attire is very important and just the like vibe of, of cold times. It doesn't have to be like a specific holiday, but just like, I can tell you're cold. That works for me. (laughs) You need to be (laughs) shivering in order for this to be a Merry Christmas movie. I guess the flip of that is, now I'm going on a tangent already, but sometimes I see New York holiday type uh, situations and there's some lady and she's walking around with no beanie, coat open super cute and i'm like that's not you're wearing 90 pairs of like layers there's just you're a mess you're sweaty under the beanie you know (laughs) everyone is like an amorphous blob (laughs) in new york (laughs) yeah we're like all uh versions of that maggie simpson star where she's in that like onesie and she's just like spread out you know (laughs) but anyway i digress yeah 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 yeah. i guess you should be cold although i grew up in california and and it never was cold So, you know, there's that. I also think you need to have like a really saccharine message that at the end of the day, it's like who your family is that really counts or like to be there for your friends no matter what. Or that if you only believe 
things will come true, it always ends up being a little bit reverent at the end. Like it has to do that in order to be a holiday movie. Absolutely. Like you, like basically the main character arcs in a way where, you know, it's, you know, I mean, my, my favorite holiday movie ever, ever, ever. It's an old one. It's Scrooged. And it's with Bill Murray, and it's like the the present, past, future kind I of parable. I love that you think Scrooge is an it old is... movie. That that cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I know. I was movie. like thinking you were going to do like black and white movie when she said oh, that was old. No, 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 no. Like, yeah, yeah. I guess it's just like you know. Uh, you know, what makes a for, you know, once we're getting into messaging, what makes some of these holiday movies so memorable is the fact that they speak to your actual anxieties, you know, which I think maybe is what you're getting at in terms of a message and it being saccharine mm-hmm. and irreverent, but like still kind of speaking to this like base desire, which is that like, and I think we're talking about a specific kind of holiday movie, right? But it deals with family, you know, so your anxiety is about being trapped with your family and then like the juxtaposition of the anxiety of being alone forever. And like, how do you like (laughs) merge those two fears into like a neat and tidy story, you know, where we like learn something at the end or where we learn to love someone and love ourselves and let people in, which I, I'm, even though I like have that tone as I'm saying it, I actually think that they're really fun and gorgeous, which again, will loop me back to Scrooge, which is the best movie ever. It has to give you the warm and fuzzies. Like it has to, like you need to feel like your heart grew three sizes that day. It's gotta like give you. Yeah. (laughs) I will say the Grinch is like, is it it terrible? Nothing beats the Grinch. Is it both? (laughs) Boris Karloff doing Dr. Seuss. Nothing beats that. Wait, who? (laughs) Boris Karloff? I'm sorry. Did you just, did you just say who is Boris Karloff? Because I will, I will, I'm thinking of Jim I will Harry. reach through my laptop and <laughs> illuminate us, please. Illuminate. I actually okay, don't know who that is either, Marco. Wow. Okay, the original animated Grinch by Chuck Jones, by the way, who's awesome. Oh, okay. Um, Boris Karloff did all the narration. He did all the voices, and Boris Karloff, of course, is oh, okay. incredible. Most famously, the original cinematic Frankenstein. Or the creature, I should say. Ah. So, and he's done. He's he, oh. he's had a pretty cool film career in in those kinds of movies. Wait, wait. I want to take this back to the Grinch, which is like, what was it? I mean, you know, this is like a like a like a really really articulated arc, right? Like, what you know what I mean in terms of like you starts off, everything's like annoying. Um, at best, and then like a real depressing bummer at worst, and then what? Like you know what I mean? Like how does he get to the end? Like tell us. Oh, I, yeah, it's like a slow deconstruction of cynicism um, throughout the story. It's Cindy Lou Who. Well put. It's like the little bright Cindy Lou Who, who um, Santa Claus. He just wanted to see some of the bright parts. And I mean, the Grinch, the the live action one, which apparently took like Jim Carrey a full day to sit in that makeup is very quotable. It's just a lot. I find it a lot in one to sit in one viewing and, and go through it in its entirety. Uh, but if you look at little clips, like you have the excellent line when he's looking at the list of Whoville occupants and he's going like, hate, hate, double hate, loathe entirely. Nice. 
<laughs> right. So it's like this thing that like shakes you, right? Because for, for some reason we are associating, like you just, you want to, it's, you know what it is? It's like the event horizon of the year closing out. And you're mm-hmm. like, holy shit, I'm an asshole. Mm. And then, uh, you know, you see, <laughs> you see a movie where there's an asshole and you identify with them. And then they're kind of, you know, bending towards this more, this this better version of themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? More compassionate, more mm-hmm. patient, more curious. And then you're like, that could wow, be I me. I never thought of it that way. I'm now I'm going to be watching films <laughs> no, differently for, you know. I definitely, I definitely feel like the Grinch is like, I feel like I relate more to the Grinch every year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my God, yes. I'm like, I get it. So, he wanted so to stay true. home with his dog. I feel that. <laughs> it's, it's true. true. It's like it's true. holiday movies are returning us to a more childlike state, like a more open state where we haven't been like caked in experiences that have made us narrow our eyes and scrutiny at like joyful opportunities like the Grinch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're all the Grinch. That's what you're saying. Yes, we, are all, we are all the Grinch. One of us. It seems yeah. like the Grinch is one of those incredible movies or, you know, just narratives actually that kind of can bridge the gap between young and old, you know, in a way that I, I also think Home Alone can do that really well. <laughs> because you have the child's perspective of being just kind of stomped on and the youngest and the forgotten one. And then he's literally forgotten and then somehow like takes down these two burglar bad guys and um you know and and it's it's re- like that one's fascinating because instead of it being about the the arc being how do i become more curious and passionate it's more like how do i become more independent and there's also something like really weirdly and capture criminals yeah capture <laughs> yes. criminals you know what i mean but there is something like weirdly like Zen. Well, also the mom is the woman who plays Moira. <laughs> so anyway, that's like a digression. But I think I don't know. Like, why is that? Why does that movie like capture the imagination? I think it's because yeah. I mean, you want you want to win for this kid who's like so adorable and so smart. But I think that it's like this this like really rapid like uh kind of boiled down coming of age story within the course of you know three days or whatever however long Mm. he's away for like reaching for this independence i was gonna say that i love like holiday movies for adults like the since the early 2000s and i think there's also this like nostalgia it feels too soon to say nostalgia but there is a bit of nostalgia for like the early 2000s christmas movies that are getting a second life like the holiday the family stone um, like Love Actually, like all of those came out in I think the years like 2000 to 2004. And there's like a huge fan base for those every year. Um, and they are very geared towards the adult holiday experience. But, you know, Love Actually, for all its problems, and it does have many and problematic elements, my favorite holiday movie. I watch it every year and every year I have a different uh, subplot that I like the most. Um, okay, well, even though- what year is this one's? I haven't watched it yet this year, but I think it'll go back to uh, Colin Firth because I just, you know, I love him. Um, Mm -hmm. Is it actually romantic that they can't communicate and still fall in love? (laughs) No. (laughs) Does he wear charming turtlenecks and do his, like, very quintessential clip speaking? Yes. Will I love it? (laughs) Yes. You know, I also love Hugh Grant's 
little jig that he does to the jumper sisters jump or the pointer sisters jump for my love. Is it creepy that he's falling in love with um, the woman who serves him tea? And yes. <laughs> Is it also like have a lot of cute scenes? Also, yes. It, that movie brings out a lot of conflicting feelings, but generally I, I just love it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are you just love a rom-com set during Christmas, right? You know what I mean? I think yeah. Love Actually is like specifically, you know, uh, an not an anthology rom-com, but an ensemble rom-com, mm-hmm. right? But again, it comes back to this idea that we just like don't super want to be alone, right? Or, yeah. or, or you know, I mean, we we want to idealize the, the version of ourselves that like knows how to live with other people and love other people and be loved, mm-hmm. you know, which is just like, I, I mean, th- that's where like this kind of the saccharine part can come in. But we have like so much more latitude for something saccharine at this time of year. You know, if you if you tried to give me something like that in March, I know absolutely not. But some reason, you know, <laughs> it's like kind of cold and there's a Christmas tree up in my house and like all things go. Especially for like, quote unquote, dead week, the week between Christmas and New Year's, like that is the time to not think a lot, to not do a lot, to just kind (laughs) of sit and watch and eat. (laughs) And and you don't want anything like too challenging speaking, at least for myself. Um, And it's like the the rating of the comfort one. An insult to all those movies. (laughs) (laughs) They are challenging. They are trying to fall in love with their sweetheart that came back from the big city and he's going <laughs> to, he's trying to take over no, the no, family or, farm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are so good. No, or like the family stone, which is like, you know, like the uptight bitch from the city is like coming home to her boyfriend's house and everyone hates her and like uh, just like you know I, notably you know what i remember so much about this movie is uh god what is the the sister's name that's in the notebook rachel mcadams no not rachel, rachel mcadams Mag- okay. well, whatever yeah i think it is right rachel mcadams mm-hmm. is the sister in the movie and when she arrives at the house she is carrying an npr tote and i was just like <laughs> Like liberal family, you know what I mean? Like not willing (laughs) to accept that this woman has just like worked super hard on her career and is really focused, you know? (laughs) Has anybody else watched, like when I was looking through like holiday time movies while you were sleeping, which I watched on a plane a few years ago. But Wait, basically, this is a Sandra Bullock movie, right? Yes. Oh my god! And it's yes. it's like interesting because she inserts she basically inserts herself into this family <laughs> because this guy go, goes into a coma and then she had like had a crush on him and then just pretends that they were dating. And That's incredible. Yeah, Yum. and then starts spending all this time with the family and they all love her. And I was just like, wow, this is a very interesting take. Wait, wait, critically, same she kind like- of falls in love with her da- her brother. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Or no, no, his brother. Sorry. She falls yeah. in love with <laughs> Don't leave that part out. She falls in love Ski. with his brother, ultimately. Um, and then he wakes up and you're like, they're like, oh, but you're dating him, but you fall in love with him. What happened? You Wait, you actually don't know each other at all? Yeah, and also this is like just romance tropes, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, which we could talk about for a full day, but yeah. <laughs> Those are holiday movies to me. <laughs> they are. They do. I think they do encapture the warm and fuzzy feeling that we were saying, like, does qualify you as, as a holiday movie. 
But then there's like the classics, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. I love It's a Wonderful Life. I, I Tell us why you love it. Never miss it. Oh my God. It's it I mean, the protagonist is a guy who uh, dreams of of leaving his hometown and seeing the world and making something of himself. And he goes through setback after setback after setback. He you know, by by uh, by the middle of the movie he just hates the direction his life has gone and he gets a wake up call. And and you know by the end of it he realizes just how special his life is and 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 that kind of reversal just really works for me as as a holiday movie. I also think the movie is so well made. I mean the performances, the the casting, the performances, the, the humor in it, it, it never fails to crack me up no matter how many times I see it. I love it's wonderful life as well. I think it's like touches on all the themes that we just discussed but in a way that's like very earnestly affecting. Like I always cry a little bit at the end. That said, it also scares me a lot. Why? It's a Wonderful Life is a scary film to me. Well, because the concept is that he never existed. And when I first saw that as a kid, I found that absolutely terrifying. Like, I can understand so that. Scary. It's like, it, yeah, it, like it's a horror movie. It's very much a Twilight <laughs> Zone episode. I mean, it, it's... Yeah, it's exactly the sort of thing they'd put on the Twilight Zone. I always found A Christmas Carol very scary as well. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that is really scary. Well, yeah. The ghost scary. of it's Christmas present. <laughs> yeah. But, like, uh, just, like, you know, it's it's a Grim Reaper type, or at least, like, in kind of modern renderings, right? <laughs> just because isn't it? I don't know if this is in the original version, but they like show you your own oh, totally. gravestone, that's, right? That's, Isn't that's, that that's very intense? Depending on the interpretation, I mean, like I said, the written version of it or the the audiobook version of it, they are just awesome. They the the those moments, Ooh, yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful uh, writing. Yeah, and there's a long tradition of, like, scary Christmas stuff. You know, Nightmare Before Christmas and um, and A Christmas Carol. Um, there are others, I'm sure. But, yeah, there's the the, the idea of um, mixing Christmas with a scary story is is, uh, is, a good, is a cool one, I think. I think the reason that, like, the horror scary movie works is because of the pressure around the holidays. Like, you need to show up. You need to be in good spirits. It's also like this referendum on your quality as a person, like especially a Christmas carol. Like that mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. is like, have you lived up to your potential? Have you proven yourself to be like the best you can be, the most open, the most giving, the most loving? And like he has it and he should probably chill a bit. But like, I think that there is a bit of a horror in the pressures that people feel around the holiday. I mean, I don't remember what uh, um, The Nightmare Before Christmas is about. I, I love the what's this? What's this? But I don't remember like the plot. Uh, well, a Nightmare Before Christmas is basically a super fantastical uh, story about these isolated realms of certain holidays and one of the main citizens of the Halloween realm discovers he accidentally crosses into the Christmas realm and you know he he it happens at a point in his life where he's like what's it all for and then suddenly he um realizes he can bring Christmas to Halloween and his attempts to mash them up are are hilarious and and very musical <laughs> 
Yeah, and like, but like critically, so Jack Skellington is the person who goes into the Christmas world, but he is enthralled by how creepy the Christmas world is. First of all, he thinks Santa Claus is named Sandy Claus, and he thinks <laughs> of him as this like delightfully like scary little man who comes down chimneys and then like gives you coal, and there are these little elves, and like everything is reimagined with this tinge of. That's kind of creepy and yeah. sideways and funny and delightful. It's like all of these things rolled up into one. And so it's just like this really fresh take for this person, Jack, going through this existential crisis and being kind of bored with the same old, same old in Halloween. And he finds this fresh infusion of weird and delightful things that he mm. can make scary and integrate into the world. And, um, and it's about kind of, town resistance and kind of the merging of cultures it's about a million different things and it's really gorgeous but when you were talking about like the the silliness with the creepy with the heightened mm-hmm. elements i was thinking of black friday yeah um, so good one of our shows so funny. which is about like mm-hmm. a zombie invasion of a walmart-esque style show i was just gonna say that capitalism is really scary and I think the idea of Black Friday in general is scary. Like, like having seen videos of people rushing around. Yeah. So I think the like the idea of having zombies attack right before Black Friday. I'm like, people yeah, are the zombies. mindless like, hordes. It, yeah, like, yeah. I was. It felt. It felt like perfect. Like a a perfect analogy for like how I actually feel about Black Friday. Yeah. And also, I mean, I love that it was from the perspective of an employee, like a sales associate of one of those like big box stores, you know, (laughs) just like trying to get home and like literally bring milk home and see his family. (laughs) And I mean, it's and it takes like this kind of analogy of the ravages of capitalism really far in this hysterical way where even kind of the the ritual that kicks off the the zombie apocalypse horde is uh this this manager not the main character but this middle manager like desperate to get a promotion so he tries to like spell cast something like using different pieces of like the hottest new like things that everyone needs to buy in the basement of the store and then you know awakens some sort of curse and i just i think it's so so funny <laughs> and also fred armison right like his delivery is kind of pitch perfect. <laughs> yeah. I always picture as the Walking Dead meets Superstore, which is a great half hour comedy if no one's watched it. Um, let's also talk about unofficial holiday movies. Like, what are you think the official, unofficial holiday movies? And then what are they to you? And I shouldn't just say movies, any kind of story. Like, I feel like the known one is Die Hard. That is, people always say that that is an unofficial holiday story. Well, I mean, I love Die Hard just because I love action movies, but I think, you know, when you think about some of the the most memorable holiday properties, right, they are either what you were talking about with this, like, very, very human, sweet element to it, or they're totally adjacent to the holiday. They're just like kind of taking place and it's like people getting shot with like a Christmas tree in the background. right? <laughs> and people like remember it because it's so, <laughs> it's so fun, you know? Um, but I think, you know, well, another holiday thing that I, that I revisit, uh, you know, every couple of years 
is uh, one of the Michael Keaton Batman movies. Mm. Have you guys seen the one with Michelle Pfeiffer in it mm-hmm. as Catwoman? Mm-hmm. She's, she's incredible. I mean, they're both incredible, but there's this really amazing scene where I think she's like just she's like depressed and it's during the holiday and she's drinking too much wine and uh, um there's a, a neon sign that says hello there and then she like she like uses the wine bottle and then pokes out the o and then the t and it says hell here you know <laughs> it's so like <laughs> kind of dark and classic and this like very i think i think people like dark that's another on one by tim burton so he's obviously uh, mm-hmm. you know got a lot of thoughts on the subject Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. the I was going to say, speaking of superhero movies, my, I was going to say Iron Man 3, which just, it, like, people don't, I guess, I think people don't like Iron Man 3 generally, but it's just, it's just like, takes place during the holidays. All of the action, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's it's snow there's snow things happening like iron man they put like a santa hat on him but it's not about the holidays but it still i feel like touches on all those things mm-hmm. that the holiday mm-hmm. movies do where it's like teaching him a lesson and he meets this little child and he has to deal with like all of these things going inside going on inside of him um but it's not like an actual like i don't know if they ever address the fact that it's the holiday time but but it's just like there and it's like implied the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Has anybody seen it? No. Should we? Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> Tell us. I highly recommend the Guardians of the Galaxy okay. holiday special. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. Uh, it's only 45 minutes. It's, it's hilarious. It's heartwarming. Uh, it's delightful. The songs that they got for it are great. Uh, yeah. Just, just a... Just a great. I don't want to spoil it, but it's um, it's a lot of fun. Well, I love getting lost in like an, a sci-fi action adventure. Like Marigold Breach is one that I would love to listen to while I'm wrapping presents. Um, I feel like it could take you out of your present moment and like transport you while you're doing like your mundane prep tasks for the holidays. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because there's like yeah, because there's this element of. Well, you know, the deep world building that went into Marigold Breach is absolutely incredible and does remind you of those like epic franchises that are coming out around the holidays. But also the intimacy of those two characters and that kind of arc and potential romance and whatever it is, it's just it's it has all of these elements that we've been talking about in terms of just trying to, you know, well... I guess it's like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's like they, 
there's a connection between the two of them and they're investigating it. And like, even though like there is no holiday adjacent stuff to it, we'll always come back to how to connect with people around the holidays, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and people becoming better through like connection yeah. and love mm-hmm. and like more noble, more brave, stronger, um, all of that stuff. But I was going to say, I don't think it actually even needs to have holiday visuals in order to be a holiday movie. I think that there is such a thing called the winter blockbuster. And these are the films that come out between Thanksgiving and New Year around like generally like December 17th, December 18th is a big release day. These movies are, this is, you know, Harry Potter came around that time of year. Lord of the Rings came out that time of year. Star Wars. Um, The new uh, trilogy came out all around that time of year as well. These are all my winter blockbusters. They're like big franchises that have no elements of like winter of anything. Mm -hmm. And they are to me holiday films because every time I watch them, I think of like the first time I watch them, which is around this time of year. And it's like a big deal for me and my family to get ready to go see one of these movies that we're very excited about. And it reminds me of home. And I feel like Uh um, action films and blockbuster films, they also tap into that itch, which is that it's like, you know, it will likely end well, um, but you're going to have a lot of fun until you get to that ending. I feel that way about musicals. Like my, like, I'm just like very weirdly lame is like stuff like that would come out of (laughs) like, they always, like, (laughs) yes, (laughs) yes, they release all these movies that are like big musical movies that families can watch together around around the holidays and then I'm like there's nothing inherently holiday about Les Mis like I guess it's cold they're all very cold they're all very cold (laughs) (laughs) but like there's something about it that feels holiday because it's came out that time of year and it's like something you could watch with your whole family and it's like three hours long I don't know it's like an epic yeah you guys are talking about like family friendly things with like very very noble messages and like mm. big world building and stuff like that. But, um, you know, counterpoint, which is that twilight was a holiday movie that yes. came out on Thanksgiving every year, four years in a row. <laughs> and, and, and like, sure, sure. Most people or no, a lot of people think it's terrible. Most people fucking love it, but like, you know, and it's I'm one of them yeah, potentially a terrible portrayal of the, an inaccurate portrayal of the BDSM community, but I still think it's like hysterical. You know what I mean? That that was like the big holiday blockbuster. I think I saw all four of them in movie theaters too. (laughs) I feel like Overleaper could also be a holiday story. It could be like the, Mm -hmm. um, the wintertime version of Independence Day. You know, it's like bam, bam action, have to save the world. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you could see a whole family going to see it in theaters or, like, sitting around a fire and listening to it. There also doesn't have to be a fireplace. I've never had a holiday with a fireplace, and it's very sad to me. So I'm going to say sitting around anything listening to it it would be a great family activity. If you made it where it was, like, they were going to assassinate the president at the Christmas tree lighting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, Overleaper is incredible, but I, I didn't think of it as family entertainment necessarily. You know what I mean? I mean, there's, there's a child. There's a child. <laughs> well, give him a child. <laughs> 
Well, okay, actually, you know, um, we what we didn't get to talk about was Gremlins, which is just like the, you know, because like that is a movie that tons of children watched. I was one of them. And and then I, I loved it and I thought it was so good. And I rewatched it recently and it's total insanity. Like just just from just every aspect you could imagine, every entry point you have of it, you're, you're just like, what the hell is this? First of all, the gremlins are so weird. I don't even know what they are. Are they aliens? But anyway, the way that they multiply, like there are all these arbitrary rules around them, right? They can't get wet. They can't eat after midnight. Whatever it is, right? <laughs> You're just like, where did these come from? Like they were stoned making these rules up, right? Like they're not based off of anything. And then some of them are nice. And I I, I just, and they they just run amok over Christmas time. Like I, I, I don't even know what the hell happened. Does anyone else seen it or remember it? <laughs> I've never seen it, but I feel like they did it for merchandise. I'm just guessing. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Okay. So there. capitalism is evil. Christmas monsters, by and large, I, I think are fun. I mean, my dream Christmas movie is for Guillermo del Toro mm -hmm. to do a Krampus film. Oh, damn. I think that would be fantastic. Ooh. There is a Krampus I film, right? Watch. But I've never seen it. But Oh, yeah. The, it... I think there's more than one. Mm -hmm. But what I want is for Del Toro to tackle it and do it, you know, a la Penn's Labyrinth or something. Uh, can you tell us more about the... It, it's Scandinavian, right? Like Krampus? Like, does anyone... Oh, uh, Krampus? Uh, it's... Uh, yeah, it's... it's like most of Christmas, Krampus is from Northern European folklore, I believe, and uh, it's basically uh, he's basically a, a goat-like counterpart to uh, Santa Claus, who um, who's yeah, he, his <laughs> job is to uh, you know um, punish the the naughty children uh, on on Christmas Eve. He's not he's not seen as like the enemy of Santa Claus or even, you know, the enemy of humans. He's just another holiday spirit who has a function. And uh, <laughs> yeah. everyone it's, has a role. He's pretty he's pretty scary. There are actually Krampus parades that take place throughout the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean you can mm -hmm. YouTube this stuff. It's awesome. Krampus is an amazingly um, underappreciated aspect of the holidays. Well, you just did remind me that we like everything we've discussed, like, uh, you know, apart from uh, Christmas Carol and all the different variations of it, it's just like all of these pieces of media downplay like the scary, punitive, like elements that comes from these original kind of, uh, you know, pagan holiday-esque stories, right? You know, I mean, if, if Christmas is just like an amalgamation of different like pagan rituals, right, from all over the world to like, it's, uh, yeah, there's something scary, like you're supposed to be scared, right? You're supposed to be like, I don't know if atonement's the right word, but it is a period of reflection where if you were naughty, it's like you either, you know, at, at best you got coal and then at worst, like Krampus came to who the fuck knows, eat you. Like, you know what I mean? This like scary goat demon <laughs> coming to punish you. <laughs> that actually, that actually goes back to what, you know, a lot of us were saying earlier about what, what elements constitute a holiday movie. And they all involve some form of, of self-reflection, right? I mean, because mm -hmm. you, the, the, the main character is usually on a journey from being 
you know, maybe not in a completely bad place, but in not a great place, and and they're um, they're finding their way to a good place, and I think that that uh, yeah, that's the, the that's an element that a lot of these stories have in common. Or there's like a you know what we didn't get to talk about is uh, Edward Scissorhands. Is that oh. a holiday? How is that yeah. a holiday movie? <laughs> oh, the snow. Oh, uh, cookies. Oh, okay. The snow. I don't Your actually know. He's crafting. Yeah, he's very crafty. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's crafty. Another, another Tim Burton movie. Another Tim Burton movie. You're right. You're right. I love a Tim Burton movie. Um, right. But, you know, like, yeah, I guess I don't. I assumed it took place around the holidays, but it definitely took place during snowy season. And uh, um, that is kind of. Another take on what we perceive to be a monster, you know, and mm, uh, mm. and this kind of empathetic look at people who are, you know, the people who are the ones who terrorize others, right, are just like trying to live their lives. <laughs> They're yeah. just trying to like, be a dude who cuts hair and yet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he just has scissor hands. He just has scissor hands. It's got holiday elements because it takes place in like a very sunny suburban area where everything is the same, right? And at the end of the movie, I believe that there's a holiday party. Winona Ryder's wearing this beautiful white dress. Mm-hmm. And she comes out and meets him on the lawn. And they bid their adieus. Spoilers for Edward Scissorhands. And then he goes up to his creepy castle. Like and 30 is, years old. Is, it's okay. Yeah, he's making beautiful <laughs> ice sculptures like he does with the with the shrubs down in the suburban town earlier in the movie. But he's making these beautiful ice sculptures and it causes it to snow. And then Danny ah. Elfman's score swells. And it's like, <laughs> ooh. Oh, <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Well, thanks for having us, Nicole. Thank you. Thanks, thanks so Nicole. much. It was really fun. Happy, <laughs> happy holidays. Happy holidays. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to rate us five stars and subscribe. We hope you have a really happy holiday season and a wonderful new year. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.